beginning, she gave me things. Perfect balance, perfect sleep. Oh, she wants to get inside of me. I can feel her. the dance of another. You make yourself in the image of its creator. I feel like I'm not even here yet. The dumpling's incredible. One, two, three. The way she transmits her work. You have to decide what is it you want to be for this company. There's more in that building than what you can see, Doctor. Dangerous people. Listeners, we're back, and you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We're a podcast that talks about a horror movie. For the time being, we're in a shed at the bottom of a garden, but that may change. Um, my fault that we weren't here last week, but uh, we'll get to that at another time. We're here now, and uh, your three hosts are joined by a fourth host, Eugenia. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. We're going to talk about Suspiria 2018, starring Tom Cruise. Um, no, those women were much taller than Tom Cruise. Uh, we're going to talk about Suspiria 2018. It is Women in Horror Month, and uh, we have an actual woman on the show with us. Who's had to watch a lot of horror movies. <laughs> you know, that comes with the territory. You're married to Will. I know. <laughs> so we have Will and Jolian. Hello. I'm Richard. Um, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Say hi to them on Facebook, buy their music on Amazon or iTunes, and um, be prepared for spoilers on the main, on the featured attraction, the main thing we're talking about. Um, we'll try not to spoil the recently watched, and that could take a little bit of time. We'll try not to dwell too much, and we'll get to the point. Moonrays. Uh, I said that. Did you? I okay. sneaked that in there. Uh, uh... Uh, one of our listeners, um, Scorpio, uh, he posted that uh, Lana Del Rey has been using that tune to start her gigs. No way, uh, really? At least of last year. Oh, wow. That big yeah. copycat. Yeah. That's great, though. She's using the original Henry Mancini version. Yeah. Maybe she's a fan. Yeah. That's why she Hi, Lana. Yeah. stumbled upon them. <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, well, you know what? I, I have noise dampening cork coasters here. Um Let's see here. How about a skull? How about a wild cat? 
there we go. Um, Can't live without the skull. Yeah, that's true. It's, so true. Uh, it's a Friday. It's a it's a day for the dead. Yeah. yeah. The original song that the Moonrays use with that narration over it is uh, "Experiment in Terror" by Henry Mancini. And uh, either way, it sounds great. But you know that little added narration is fun because that was the the creature feature show in Chicago when I was a kid. Uh, anything exciting happened since last time? Yes. Other than rest in peace, Dick Miller. Oh yeah, Dick Miller. Um, Albert Finney today. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and of course, the creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, Julie Adams. Oh, she died. Yeah. She wasn't the creature, though. No. no. Um, but you know, that's her immortality. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, she died a few days ago. Oh, I didn't catch that in the news at all. Uh, well, rest in peace, you all. Something eventually gets all of us, doesn't it? And then, so uh, two weeks ago on the Sunday, it was the first armed siege in my neighborhood of the year. Oh, yeah. It was on the news and everything. Yeah. Uh, Big fireball in the sky. Yeah, yeah. As far as I know, he, he, he set his own place on fire. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I went out at lunchtime on a Sunday, mm. let the dogs out the back. <laughs> I could hear shots and that turned out to be him shooting a couple of police people. Oh, man. Yeah, Denver is a dangerous place sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, our neighborhood is, is like... You had that gas explosion? Now, now we've got three corners of our neighborhood where something, some, someone has blown themselves up. <laughs> man, I don't get it. You know, how hard is it to just come home and do something quietly? Maybe Excel needs to come out and check some gas lines at the very least. Yeah. Mm. Oh, these these are deliberate. Oh, sure. So people are just sort of, well, let's just keep it not coming any closer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah we ought to get that, that coloring book out there and yeah. give, give people something quiet to do. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, if if, uh, if the disruptions that are happening in my life, which I, sh- I shouldn't say disruptions, but if the uh, if the lively activities in my life uh, would simmer down a little, I could put a little more work in on that thing. But you know, got to get them ready in time for Emerald City Comic Con and C two E two. And if that happens, uh, well, then we're going to be looking pretty good. Uh, and the other. Th- yeah, art-related thing. Um, Dan Brereton's bringing out a, a new edition of his Giant Killer book. Okay. This is going to be, you know, larger size. Oh, uh, nice. Expanded and have artwork by other people in it, including me. Oh, nice. So I did that. Very good. That's really cool. So, anything new, Will, Eugenia? No. Other no, than no. weather events kicking our asses? Yeah, and uh, I mean, we have recently watched, but... Yeah, well, you want to kick it off? What what have you watched? Sure, we've watched quite a bit. Uh, We watched uh, Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster. Uh, (laughs) Have you seen this one? Blu-ray or... Is this an MST3K thing or what? This is uh, a VHS. Mm -hmm. Well, it looks like a VHS. It's on DVD. Uh, The Jolene lent us. Oh, that's the old Sinister Cinema version. Yeah. Yeah, I've got it on Blu-ray now, so... So it that's, actually, that's you can see it. That's probably why I gave it to you. Yeah. Um, it was all right. It was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it was good uh, fun. Mario you Bava. Know. Oh, Bava, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, 
The Five. Have you seen this one? Has it got a tricky spelling, like a five followed by (laughs) I-V-E? Yes. No? (laughs) It's just a picture of a hand. It's one person who's five different people in the movie. I've never heard of this. (laughs) It's called Split. No, it's an early uh, post-apocalyptic movie. Oh, from the early 50s, yeah. Another teen apocalypse. Yeah, well, no teens in this one. No? No. That must be an early post-radioactive apocalypse movie, though. Yeah, I think so. They're trying to live some sort of post-apocalyptic homesteader sort of life versus being an urban raider. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think urban raider sounds fun. You know, I think if you want to be an urban raider, you should just go and be an urban raider and not yeah. try to pressure, you know, your homesteaders into doing that. But yeah. Thus, we lead up to the primary point of tension. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's where the conflict occurs. Yeah. That's where the conflict occurs. And then we yeah. watched um, uh, Can of Nine Tales. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it trick spelling with a nine followed by I-N-E? <laughs> it is. <laughs> okay, just checking. Uh, by Jario Argento. Oh, may have heard of him. Yeah. Uh, and then finally we watch Vanishing Point. Ooh, mm. yeah. It's can... sort of the sleeper hit of the week. Yeah, it's great. Isn't it? It's really a fantastic movie. I think it still has. Um, I don't know a lot to say. It's still really relevant and it's exciting and cool and it's local, dark and sexy. It's local. <laughs> So that's the one with the Dodge Challenger in it. Yeah. That's, yeah. Okay, you know Brian, my friend who was on the show with us? Yeah. Uh, he bought a Dodge, one of the new Dodge Challengers because they, they styled them very similar to that era. Because of that movie? It was because of that movie. Admit it, Brian. I know you're listening. In your Challenger <laughs> in Arizona. It's all right. There's no in problem. In Death Valley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no shame in, in doing something because of a movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially that movie. That was a really, really Maybe good if it movie. was like, you know, Garbage Pail Kids or something, it'd be <laughs> shameful, you know. <laughs> jingle All the Way. Yeah. <laughs> I got a car because it was in Jingle All the Way. No. What the hell's wrong with you? It's what Arnold drives in Jingle All the Way. The one he drives? In? No, just like it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, huh, it's, okay. it's, it's the same mail truck that Sinbad drives in Jingle All the Way. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's getting cooler. Yeah. What's that Christmas horror movie you like? You could you get a van and make it look like that. I got oh, a white panel Christmas van. Christmas Evil. <laughs> Christmas Evil, that's right. Yeah. Get a van that looks like that one. Yeah. There we go. That'll impress everyone. Yeah. So yeah. impressed. Just like in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we watched a couple of TV shows, uh, Russian Doll. Oh, how is that? Netflix. It's good. It's is, really good. Is that the one where the woman's dead? And she keeps, it's like Groundhog Day? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My wife's yeah. watching that. Yeah. So she good. opens up and a smaller one of her comes out and it's yeah. the same Yeah. Each day. episode gets shorter. <laughs> right. Gets so the smaller? first one's half an hour and it gets a shorter episode every time. So, so 10 episodes in, it's going to be Tom Cruise playing her. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Two in one episode so far. Uh, and what else did we, oh, sex education with the farmer. American Jillian Anderson. Oh, who's now a Brit? That's right. She's toggled back and forth a couple times. We've we've lost. We've her lost to her. The other She's side. officially a Brit now. I don't oh. know what trade they acquired her in. Uh, she was in a Dickens adaptation. I think it was Bleak House. 
Oh, and that yeah. was it. Yeah. You practically get yeah. a passport handed to you if you do one of those. Yeah. Well, I figured we traded some celebrity. Maybe it's still blowback from the the Beckham. No, I, maybe it's, maybe, um, oh, who's the lead singer of Coldplay? Um, Colin. No, Chris. Chris, Chris Martin. Martin. yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe they did a, a secret unannounced trade for Chris Martin. Oh, that could make mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Or know? Morrissey. Yeah. Nobody wants know. Morrissey now. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> He's damaged goods. <laughs> I don't think anyone's claiming Morrissey. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he's going to be sad now. I know. I feel bad for him. He's going to be more sad. Make him miserable. (laughs) It's all right. He'll be happy that way. High school me is also feeling sad now. He's not happy unless he's really sad. Uh, Lana Del Rey probably knows him. Yeah. Go go and say hi and cheer him up, Lana. Yeah. Yeah. Quit stealing our song. (laughs) Oh, she can use that song. Yeah, that's true. As long as she mentions us at the start of each gig. Yeah. 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 I got this song off the podcast. Yeah. Who got it from some band in chicago <laughs> yeah there we've worked out a deal yeah for sure um do you want me to do my recently watch sure okay um i have a new thing i do at work uh have you ever watched um the curse of oak island no but okay. i know what you're talking about the history channel yeah show so i think in search of covered this back in the 70s or early 80s and uh yeah basically what it is is there's this little island off of nova scotia where somebody said hey, this cutoff branch on this oak tree looks like someplace somebody lowered something down on a rope. And so they started digging and they found weird like panels where obviously there were these levels of, uh, okay, there's something buried under this and there's something buried under that. And they dug and they dug and they got to where they figured it's as deep as anybody could dig. And then it all filled up with water. And it turns out there's these... um, these sort of uh, underground tunnels um, that ha- they're like French drains or whatever, and they, they will flood your best efforts to get to the treasure. And now these guys have bought most of this little island, or all of it, or whatever, and uh, they've moved in, like, <laughs> they've spent millions of dollars, I mean literally millions of dollars, and they found all kinds of significant, interesting things. Knights Templar, definitely... Um, High on the list of who maybe did this. Knights Templar? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't yet. They start piecing yeah. it together. And it's really interesting. So you look at you look at all the evidence and it's like, oh, Viking involvement at some point maybe. But um but it's like are there runes? Is there Viking treasure? Yes. Is there a horde? Yeah. Yeah, there's all kinds of this stuff that they're finding evidence of. Now, I'm not buying into this just because it's fun to buy into it. They're actually presenting evidence and going to scientists and saying, when is this from? Where is this from? And uh, um, I don't want to go into too much of the background of it, but what I really wanted to talk about was the style of documentary storytelling they're doing, because it's not really a documentary. It's a TV show. Uh, And these two brothers and all these other people are trying to get to the, what do they call it, the money pit and get to the treasure vault and all this crap, right? Double (laughs) meaning on the money pit part. Right. Um, So... Uh, they do this thing where uh, the guys will be talking and they'll be like, uh, oh, this looks like something that uh, runes carved by Vikings, perhaps, because they use the runic language. And uh, yeah, this over here looks like this other thing. And then the narrator will be like, runes carved by Vikings? Found? Cut into logs? It's like, yeah, they just said that. They they literally (laughs) just said that. (laughs) 
<laughs> so every time somebody says something at work, I just want to repeat it as a question. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, I watched a, You need to hire a narrator to sort of follow you around on your daily yeah. life. Yeah, putting everything in the form of a question. A narrator putting things in the form of a question. Really? You need to pick up both beer and wine? Yeah. So I, I watched a couple episodes of that. And um, movies, um, I'm, I'm at the point where it's like, I'm going to get through uh, some of these movies that Julian loaned me. So... You loaned me Kiss Me Deadly, mm-hmm. a magnificent noir that I watched. Yes. Um, I think I already mentioned Frankenstein's Daughter that I had watched that. Um, yeah. I, I watched some of that Nosferatu scene where they do that cool thing with I the mean, carriage. you saw the end, end of the new Nosferatu. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. I thought I thought I just missed like a few seconds mm-hmm. into the credits, and it was like a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. All right. And then um, uh, in the Realm of the Senses. Of, yeah which uh, I didn't remember at all which movie that was, and we had talked about it, and I went, oh, I think this is the one that ends with the... Is it a spoiler for me to say the guy gets his penis cut off? Mm, it's a pretty not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say who does it, but <laughs> I could bleep that out. Guy gets his penis cut out. off? <laughs> yeah. A guy in a movie gets his penis, penis cut off? <laughs> so, um, By Vikings? <laughs> yeah. Or perhaps a Knights Templar. <laughs> Ooh, sounds very Knights Templar. I recommend just picking up The Curse of Oak Island this season. All that other crap is just them finally getting to where, hey, uh, maybe we just need to dam up this lagoon kind of area and uh, bring in some actual heavy equipment to dig this big hole. So all the crap that came before that was just a whole lot of just fooling around and now they're getting to the... I'll just wait till next season then. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know what? <laughs> bring, up, bring up the beer cans and Al Capone's corpse or whatever. Yes. You know, I'm hoping that... Al Capone's vault at the bottom of this money pit. I'm hoping for zombie Knights Templar. Yeah. Ooh. Or zombie Vikings maybe fighting. Mm-hmm. <gasps> zombie Knights Templar? Yeah. Fighting Vikings? <laughs> fighting Nazis? Yeah. Versus ninjas? So... Um, that's, uh, that's about it for me. Um, I, by the way, uh, I do wonder if Quentin Tarantino, without spoiling the ending of another thing, um, Vikings, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he stole from, uh, Kiss Me Deadly. Oh yeah. Oh, the briefcase? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Pulp totally. Fiction? Yeah. That's totally right. exactly where that came from. Yeah. It had to be. Uh-huh. Well, finally I tracked it down via Julian loaning me a movie. That was a cool movie. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, that was a that was a Mickey Spillane novel. Yeah, but it, it's really subversive. Like he's this, he's the monster. He's such a jerk. He is. He's yeah. a massive jerk. It's like Mickey Spillane, the hero is like this awful man, but he's the hero and yeah. he's treated unironically as a hero. A true anti-hero. In, in the books, oh, yeah, you know, he's okay. always beating up, especially yeah. women, and uh, you know, roughing up helpless people. And in the movie, he does the same thing, but it's like he's he's obviously the. You know, it's a horrible person, right? And he gets in, and you realize about halfway through the movie, he's in way over his head, he has no idea what's actually going on. Yeah, but yeah, it's really good. I'm trying to figure out if I've seen that movie, we've watched that one, yeah. Okay, yeah, it's it's cool, the style of it's great. Julian, what have a briefcase with a uh, bomb inside. Mm. What have you watched? Uh, well, in the last couple of weeks, I've watched uh, Suspiria 2018 three times. Mm. So that took up your whole week. 
<laughs> Pretty much. And, He's still uh, watching it the third time. Yeah. Um, apart from that, watch the The Devil's Messenger, uh, which the Lon Chaney Jr. is in it. It's basically three episodes of this Swedish US TV series called Thirteen Demon Street from 1959, and mm. they ed- edited three episodes together. And, and what happens is uh, you go down into the catacombs below Los Angeles, where uh, Lon Chaney is the Secretary of Hell, and he's got a Rolodex of the Damned. Hmm. And uh, people come up to the front of the line, and he's got some object to do with uh, uh, that. He wants he wants this this uh, woman who's a who's a suicide named Satanya to deliver to these people who are about to commit sin back in the mortal world, and uh, and it basically uh, helps them along. <laughs> huh. Sounds proper bureaucratic and yeah. and logistics oriented. Yeah, but I love it. He's got he's got you know he's he's in hell and he's got his caves and everything, but he's got a rolodex of the damned. It's, um, yeah, I like it. Uh, right. Not the fun, but apart from that, um, uh, I've got a possible project came in which is based on. Uh, it's, it's actually written by this woman who uh, uh, survived Auschwitz and. Uh, uh, they're thinking of doing a graphic novel based on that. Mm. Uh, so I've been pretty deep in researching Auschwitz, <laughs> watching lots of documentaries and reading lots of books. Yeah, did you know um, Donald Trump lost an ancestor in Auschwitz? He fell out of a guard tower. Ooh. There it is. Boom. <laughs> so sad. Always remember. Yeah, my, my mic is on a stand or I would just drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> it's our, you know. Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's been um, it's been pretty traumatic. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty depressing actually. Um, uh, but <laughs> yeah, that's pretty heavy material. Man. Yeah, and I, I, I wanted to get it all done, and because uh, I knew you know you can't put that stuff off. No. And uh, so I'm still still researching that. Um, but uh, yeah, and um, you know, watching lots of documentaries and things, that, and especially uh, books based on it um how do you depict that stuff yeah so it's hard to deal with really but yeah. anyway you didn't tune in for this no stuff. <laughs> it's gonna be much more cheerful than that <laughs> when we get to the featured attraction uh, real world horror isn't nearly as amusing no as no. Funny. no no anyway so i watched suspiria three times Three times. Did you watch the original at all in there, or, or just uh, uh, just the... I, I had it on. I didn't have time to watch it. Either. Okay. So, um, Will told me before I watched this that uh, hey, it's two and a half hours long, but it feels like four. <laughs> so, I you know, and I knew it was a long movie when I looked at the the times where it was showing when it was on its theatrical run. I said I can't. Mm-hmm. No, that's too much of my life today. I can't go for that long today. And you wouldn't get home before midnight. Right. You know, that's a thing. So, um, yeah, this uh, this thing was a, a long movie. And the first question I want to ask all of you is, did it need to be two and a half hours long? No. Eugenia? Probably not. Okay. Jolian? Uh, yeah, I think it could have been sure. By how much? Um... The Barnes Limit notwithstanding, um, are we talking like, could it have been easily a two-hour movie or, or slightly under? I think the storytelling could have been sharper. Right. And cut out some of the... Because there's several layers of things being dealt with. 
with different groups of characters and if you you, you could have cut out one of those threads and mm. okay brought it into two hours okay yeah just i think the pace could have been picked up just a little bit a little sharper a little tighter two hours yeah it's supposed I, to be even longer Wow, really? He evidently cut an hour of this. Yeah. I, I, Are you uh, serious? Yeah. <laughs> For the Man. first time I watched it, I felt it was too long. Um, there's a, one of the, uh, the the dancers, the one who plays Sarah, is played by Mia Goth. Mm-hmm. And she was in a movie called A Cure for Wellness, which is also really long, beautiful-looking European horror movie. Uh, the director's American, but... Um, um but anyway uh that, that's a good one to watch but uh i felt that one was over long but seeing the new suspiria again i i realized that there's there's a lot going on in it i think it i, I wasn't bored by it I, I liked it better the second and third time actually hmm. oh interesting um no i wasn't i wasn't bored i quite i quite i'll spoil you and say i quite liked the movie um, but there was a few times when I kind of checked my watch, so to speak, to say, hmm, okay, how Look much at the more time, time the is there? Yeah. yeah. But after you've seen it, you, you realize what it's paying off, what it's, what it's building up. Mm-hmm. Right. And you think, oh yeah, that, that was, you know, that was justified being in there. And, uh, Tilda Swinton does some excellent work in this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she plays an old man. That's kind of amazing. She plays three characters. Yeah. She plays uh, the, her, the one that's obviously her. Yes. And then the other woman who's... So she's, she's Madame Blanc. Yeah. And she, um, how much do we give away of this? Um, <laughs> she, turns well, up, she turns up at the end all. as well. Yeah we're, yeah, we're assuming that our listeners have watched this. Okay. Or are still watching it. Yeah, so she's Elena Marcos as well. Yeah. So um, getting into the movie to begin with, uh, if you don't know this... Or if you haven't heard this, uh, there there's no attempt to um, to replicate the Dario Argento style. Mm-mm. Argento was known for certain kinds of camera work and certain kinds of color palettes that were kind of happening either in the decor or the lighting. Absolutely. And this has none of that. It was uh, for me almost when I when it first opened, I was like, wow, this. This is already telling me it's got a different terroir. Right. And I, I was a little like, hmm. But, yes, it's, it's very different than on any of that. In fact, I wonder if it's almost deliberately done in the opposite because yeah. the color palette is very drab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And granted, it's set in, what, 77? Yeah. Uh, you know, wardrobes would have been a little more like, you know... A, a dusty maroon and a tan and gray and brown and whatever you know that that whole earth tone yeah earth tone look <laughs> that's what i was looking for earth tone but there's several <laughs> uh reasons they wanted it in 77 yeah okay, um they wanted the timeline thing i i did lots of notes about this and then my computers crashed so i can't access my notes oh. so i'm doing this oh. from memory 77 uh the uh, director, Luca Guaragnino, had, he'd grown up mostly in Ethiopia. Really? Uh, where he said it was like almost constant rain. His, uh, I think his mother's Algerian. Mm-hmm. But uh, civil war broke out in Ethiopia in 77. So they moved up to Sicily. Oh. Okay. Um, 
then 77 is the release year of the original Suspiria. Yeah. Right. Um, which he saw a poster for when he was 10 years old. All right. Somewhere, somewhere around the Adriatic. And uh, then he saw it on video four years later. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, when I was in Addis Ababa, um, they, there was this popular Department of Tourism poster that was like, Addis, you know, 365 days of sunshine. And we thought it was hilarious because I was there in like October and it rained almost mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> the sun was in the sky. It was just blotted out by black rain clouds. Right. And then uh, another thing is uh, they wanted the kind of palette of, uh, you know, Rainer Werner Fassbinder. Okay. His, his like German films in the 70s. Okay. Uh, it's, it's you know, they're all ochres and greys, but beautiful. Yeah. I'm, I appreciate a nice grey. Sure. Um, so uh, there's a, one, of, uh, one of the people, one of the witches is played by one of the Fassbinder regulars. In fact, she was married to Fassbinder for a while. Oh wow! In the 70s. Uh, I forget her name. Is she, is she the one? Let's see. The... I think I highlighted most of the names on that. I've got the synopsis. It's four pages long. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I forget her name, but uh, she, she's and the one was with concise. With yeah, the, the large glasses and the, like the the fuzzy sort of tan hair. Oh no. right. Uh, yeah. And then the other the other thing is uh, seventy seven was the was uh, the, in this these particular months the movie set <clears throat> is the German autumn, mm-hmm. uh, which is when the um, uh, the RAF, which is the Rot Army Fraction, uh, yeah. aka the Bader-Meinhof Gang, uh, they were like uh, doing lots of kidnapping and killing, and, uh, and then there was this plane which is referred to throughout the movie. Yes. Just Lufthansa. Oh, yeah, that hijacking. Yeah, yeah, so that was the, it was one of the Palestinian groups, PLFP, I think. Mm-hmm. But they hijacked this plane and they held them for five days and killed the pilot. It was really interesting that they were referencing that time period with, with Bader-Meinhof and the hijackings. And I think you even still had rumblings of the Red Brigade. At that time, yeah, you had some of the, some of the Bader Meinhof group were from the Red Army from Japan, mm-hmm. who'd been radicalized by the student riots in Japan. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, and then the the main thrust of what those people were up to was um, because uh, much of the um, German establishment was staffed by people who'd been in the war, like mm-hmm. SS officers and so on. It's also interesting that they took it back to 1977 because right now we are in the midst of this like occult revival. Right. Astrology is really popular again. Witchcraft is really popular again. And, you know, these were big and would have been big in 1977. I mean, that was sort of the last, you know, the last time we had a big like pop culture Everyone, you know, what's your sign, mm-hmm. you know, was was into this. And you could buy paperback books on witchcraft or even find them in your school library. Right. Um, so that was really interesting to me because that was the last time we had that level of cultural interest. And then here it is, you know, again, and we're coming out with this movie 
it was just taking us back to that previous time. Mm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, there's there's quite a few things about uh, hidden past still being present and haunting the present. Yeah. And uh, of course, I have to ask this question: when they when they uh, when the when the witches are holding their vote on uh, whether to replace their leader, one of the women I notice has they look just like George Romero's glasses. And I'm not just saying, oh, because she had big googly glasses. No, these looked like the same style of yes. George A. Romero's glasses, <laughs> who was friends with Dario Argento. Right. And I kind of huh. wonder, does does that does I that play? The first time I saw her, I thought, is this Tilda Swinton again? <laughs> right. <laughs> Tilda Swinton is everybody in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it wasn't, as it turns out. Um, so they, uh, so in, in, the, uh, in this movie, there's a, a woman fleeing. Uh, she finds her psychiatrist, talks yeah, to him. Yeah, so it's Patricia again. Right. Same as the first one. Right. So, so it, it does start out the same way, and you think, oh, where, how far is this going to go? But then yeah. it goes very differently. Right. Um, so so you, you get to this woman, um, this American, uh, Susie, who's played by Dakota Johnson. Don Johnson's daughter, by the way, if, if you yeah. didn't know that. Melanie yeah. Griffith. <laughs> Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson. Um, uh, the Susie Banyan uh, gets off of a train in Berlin, and she wants to go join this academy, but uh, since Patricia has left <laughs> you know she she left one way or another mm-hmm. uh, they admit her to the program so are they just basically auditioning people to be uh, uh the recipient of this body thief situation yeah uh so what what criteria do they want does she have to be an excellent dancer, dancer nice looking good dancer all of those things help yeah when you're looking for a new coven member right <laughs> sure yeah, you don't you don't want somebody who's just sort of nasally sounding and kind of frumpy. You you want someone who's who's really fit, and nice looking. So yeah, why not? It's, it's superficial, like everything else. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's who you want on your team, and that's that's who they're gonna get, or are they? So. But I do think you have to dance Volk really yes. well. Like it's like yeah, sure. You know, we're always interested in new potentials. But then if you have a preternatural ability to dance this um, difficult and choreographed piece. Sure. Now we know there's something, maybe the Dark Lord has brought us someone. You know, yeah, you have to wonder if there is some sort of uh, divine intervention. And yeah, maybe there is. So here, here she has all these capabilities, except for leaping high into the air isn't it at first but then you always have to be working on something in your dance yeah right <laughs> are you are you super familiar with ballet as an art form I'm, I'm a little bit familiar um i thought this was a much more of a modern dance movie than yeah. ballet I, although all contemporary western dance uh sort of bases has heavy ballet roots uh, I was a belly dancer for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And so for me, part of what I really liked about this movie was it was almost as much a dance movie as it was anything else. Right. As much as it was supernatural or horror was maybe a third or fourth down the ladder on this. Whole right. Thing. Um, I thought I was seeing Isadora Duncan uh, influence on some of this dance. Oh, totally. So I wasn't mistaken in that. No. I wouldn't even be familiar with her if it weren't for the fact that we had a painting of her on the wall when I was growing up. 
And finally, I, I looked up like, well, what exactly did she do as a dancer? And it's like, oh, she just influenced everything mm-hmm. from her time forward. Uh, her biggest mistake, that long scarf in that, yes. in that tiny mm-hmm. car. Well, yes. <laughs> wow, what a terrible way to go. I mean, that's that's your real horror right there. That is a real horror. That also makes you really want to look at someone's astrological chart. Yeah, see? <laughs> oh, yeah, listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it'll bum you out when you look it up. <laughs> I'm here to ruin your day. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, those tiny sports cars, they're nothing but trouble. Nothing but trouble. Yeah. Um, ask James Dean. <laughs> So, um, yes, this, uh, so this goes nowhere good for the young dancers, does it? Cause the old dancers just want to sort of, well, I don't know, maybe they're, maybe they're in a good, maybe they're in a good group. I don't know. Well, you know, I think the old dancers just want to inhabit their bodies. But if you're, our heroine was apparently kind of cool with it at the end, you know? Yeah, she discovers herself. You know, she really comes into her own. I mean, it's the other dancers who are fighting it that get horrible, horrible, horrible broken legs. Oh, God, that. Awful, awful other things happening. That remote body breaking scene? Mm. That, yeah. That was, that was. That's the 20 minutes of the movie you could have lost right there. No, that was an amazing piece of puppet magic right there. Yeah, it was. Um, it was horrifying. Yeah, they had. She was a contortionist, and then they also had uh, like, the, you know, that green covering so they could remove her actual limbs for shots and things. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you think about the amount of stuff they'd have to remove from reflective surfaces in this movie. Oh man, and you, yeah. You realize how much CG went into it. Yeah. Stuff they could not have done 15, 20 years ago, really. Well, 20 years ago. 15 years ago is... Yeah, that's within the realms of mm-hmm. King Kong, Peter Jackson's King Kong, and, you know, Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so as far as the story goes, it goes all kinds of weird places, and I'm watching this thing going, I'm not sure I'm understanding what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And my fault is that I try to take things literally unless I'm, you know, unless I'm being astute and noticing things. And uh, I'm thinking, I'm not sure I see what's going on here. And and uh, when are they going to tell me that I did see what I thought I saw? Mm-hmm. And that might be, you know, 40 minutes later. <laughs> And then it's like, I forget completely the, about the thing I was wondering about. Yeah. And then we're kind of on to other things. But it, but it's in six acts and an epilogue. epilogue yeah. Yeah. So yep. the epilogue was like you know, 20, and, 30 uh, seconds. If you think if you, if you want to take the Peter Greenway approach, if you, <laughs> if you look for the number of times three and uh-huh. six or multiples of three turn up in this movie. Oh, for reals. I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't notice this. Oh, yeah. So anything that you can think of off the top of your head? Well, you've got the three, uh, the three victims who end up grouped on a triangular right. base with a triangle of dancers pointing towards them. Okay. The three mothers. Yeah, yes, uh-huh. the, yeah Mother Suspirium and Mother Tenenbrium. Uh Yeah, there's, there's loads. If you just look for the number three, it's like they, when, they, <clears throat> when they're searching around in the office and she's reading off the dates. Oh, okay. She reads off three dates and they're uh, six years apart each one. Oh, okay yeah didn't catch that either yeah it, it, there's there's a lot of it um there's, there's references to 
to various philosophers and uh, art movements. I mean, on the poster straight off is Dada. Yeah. Uh, specifically, Kurt Schwitters, who did the typography of a lot of the Dada. Okay. And Dada was a reaction of the unconscious and irrational to the rational, which had brought about the First World War. Right. So you in this movie, you have Volk is there, was a dance that they created after the Second World War in reaction to that. Just these, these women reasserting their power after the men have screwed everything up. Yeah. Go men. <laughs> it's what we do best. We ruin stuff. Okay, that's super interesting. Now, I mean, Dadaism for for listeners who don't know was basic on the face of it was, hey, what's the most absurd and nonsensical stuff we can do yeah. and show and portray and behave and uh, oh yeah, it's, it's complete punk rock. Yeah, it was the nineteen twenties punk rock movement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like the you know you have the, uh, the people who went on to surrealism. You had uh, and you had some of the uh, the early Dada shows. The only way to get into the gallery was crawling through a, a window of a toilet and <laughs> making your way into the gallery. Oh, Meow cool. Wolf has nothing on the Dada movement. Right. We have Meow Wolf opening here soon, don't we? Uh, Next so. year, yeah. Yeah. Man. Oh, another three thing. If you watch the final shot where the camera goes down from the the train to his his old, uh, was it Dacha? His, his summer house. Yeah. Uh, you've got three mothers. Okay. Um, and then one of them is carrying a book, which is uh, The Great Mother, which is by this philosopher, I think Newman. Uh, but this this was the book that came out, I think, mid-20th century, but it's about the archetypal uh, female figures in world mythology. Oh. So every... so And then he... He had, I'm trying to remember this, uh, he has a diagram in the book of the six archetypes. Uh, and then the way he lays it out at the top is Mary, the Virgin Mother, who is the positive spiritual transcendence. Mm-hmm. Below her opposite is witches, which is negative transformation, according to Newman. Sure. I'm not against witches. Um, and in the movie... Uh, Susie becomes both. She's the Virgin Mother, and she's got the. She opens up her chest like the Roman Catholic Virgin yeah. Marys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's also a witch. She's oh. she's she's reconciled those got two it. things. Okay. It's very yeah. But anyway, there, there's these six archetypes, and they're in three groups of opposition. Oh man, <laughs> so many layers. Yes. <laughs> And that takes you also to layers of, of folk Catholicism and, mm-hmm. and yeah, oh, it, 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 it so like all one, one of them's and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all these archetypes. Super. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where to go with this. Um, as far as like you know the timeline, or I should say the storyline and where it goes, um, I was kind of surprised by how how you know after how slowly it moved. And the actual first act of violence I think we saw was that body breaking scene, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised by the the uh, sort of little sickles or meat hooks or whatever they were supposed mm-hmm. to be. I was surprised by the actual physical uh, direct involvement of, of the witches with those things and their 
their victim. Uh, I didn't expect that. That took me by surprise. So they're shaped a lot like um, ritual tools that you would use to cut, oh, twigs or herbs or plants. Um, uh, druidic sickles. Yes, a, a sickle. Saturn um, carries a sickle, and he he reaps things like the like the Grim Reaper does. Right. Um, but also, you know, you would also go out and under the right astrological timing, you would harvest your magical herbs or cut that you know that hazel rod, okay. something like that. So they kind of did a thing there where. It echoed that shape and purpose, but it also looked like a modern meat hook. Mm. Right. And, you know, it did something really nasty with it. Yeah. Yeah, so that that, <laughs> that direct uh, inflicting of damage and, and pain did surprise me. I, I thought, nah, what are they going to do here? Oh, wow, they are... <laughs> They're actually hooking into her and dragging her. Mm-hmm. That was pretty bad. We lost the room full of razor wire. Well, we got this instead. Yeah, the, yeah. If we talk, if we if we talk about some of the some of the contrasts and some of the parallels, yeah, the original Suspiria, you got a whole room full of razor yeah, wire. Yeah, sorrow who falls into that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, yeah. Well, what's in that spare room? Oh, yeah. Don't go in there. <laughs> so we keep all our, our spare razor wire. <laughs> Olga, Olga makes it through the original, doesn't she? Well, you never see what happens to her, but she... Uh, um, you yeah. never see her being killed. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, no, that's right. Because Olga's the one who takes the money from her and is going to rent her the apartment. Yeah, yeah. And then she ends up living at the school instead. Right. No, yeah, I don't think anything happens to yeah, her. Yeah, all the rest of the students just, just leave. They're, they're not there yeah. for the end. Hmm. So, um, so they, they do go into some of the history and, and again, like you said, you know, you wanted the people from the era of World War II to still be living and functioning during this movie. So yeah, it makes sense. It was set in 77. Um, uh, when Susie meets, uh, Sarah, the one who's played by Mia Goth, um, uh, she helps her move in and, uh, Susie learns that the Academy has been open for a long time, uh, even throughout World War II. So, um... All the students uh, get free room and board, and um, and uh, Susie, of course, has a lot of talent, and apparently responds well to um, the power of the witches. So they know they've they've got a good recruit here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't realize how good. Right, <laughs> she's maybe more powerful than they imagined. So that's pretty cool. Um, uh, let's see, Olga um, breaks down and tells. Tells her that um, that the instructors are lying, and uh, you know that's probably a bad move for her because they're going to psychically know everything that's going on, mm-hmm. aren't they? And so. they didn't even have to psychically know it because you're having a fit in the middle well, of rehearsal. So yeah, a lot of smoking during ballet. I wasn't well, expecting yeah. yeah. it. Was the '70s? You can <laughs> smoke and do ballet. That rehearsal room is called the Iris Room. They mentioned it once, I think. So I oh. think that's a nod back to the irises being at the oh. center of the Tons Academy. Yes. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah, and um, oh, let's see. Uh, Mother Marcos being hidden beneath the floor. Mm-hmm. I found that. This is weird, but it reminds me of that uh, episode of X-Files called Home 
where the uh, where the hillbilly mom is under the floor of the house. Mm, yeah. Remember this one? one? They use Johnny Mathis music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that one. They have, they have the old Cadillac. And they're like super like inbred kind yeah, of caveman looking guys. Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of reminded me of that. Ew. I've, I've had X Files on my mind lately <laughs> for various reasons, but uh, yeah, that that was pretty creepy stuff. Um, some of it reminded me of the hunger. You know, the way all those. There's mm. those sort of not dead, dead people were in the attic. Mm-hmm. Just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of mummified, but still alive. Yeah. They're, 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 uh, they're cavern, those, those catacombs full of people who were sort of dead, but not. Yeah. Uh, that was creepy. <laughs> I was starting to wonder when's the horror going to kick in. And then we had the body breaking scene and, um, and, uh, what was the deal with that cop where they were like laughing at him? And Oh yeah. They, they bring in the two detectives. Yeah. Yeah. So they had him like under a, under a spell. Yeah, or? I think yeah, I, I think so. He's just sort of mesmerized and enchanted. So and they're, they're completely you know, humiliating him. Yeah, emasculating and... the the only two men in the movie. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was pretty special. <laughs> it's like that that uh, yeah, he they got a good laugh out of him. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this thing, um, it, it makes the rounds so many times through the different things they're doing that I, I did start to get lost, mm-hmm. admittedly. Now, Jolien, having seen it three times, do you feel like it was, uh, it wasn't linear, clearly, but the... No, it's construct. I, I, I got the idea, it's like constructed like a ritual itself. And you have like, uh, the floor of that rehearsal room, uh-huh. they, you know, you, you see in the, in, um... Uh, Patricia's notebook uh, this diagram of the floor and then that comes up later when they mark it out for the Volk yeah. uh, dance So and it's and it's patterned around triangles of course yeah um, so yeah there's this like a, I think the movie itself is like ritualistic okay yeah and having seen lots uh, of repeating patterns and things yeah uh, having seen a dark song that kind of uh, makes more sense to me now mm. yeah because that one was a whole lot of, you know, like moving through the steps of it very slowly and methodically. So, yeah, that, that mm-hmm. kind of does make more sense. I started to get a little lost, like I said, or a lot lost. Yeah, the first time I watched it, I was like, what, what's going on here? What, what? Yeah, like these concentric circles of the same stuff. That... There's more going on, but you know, in the, the first one, it had, you had a really thin plot. I, I found, I found like, the first one is like... Yeah. Uh, uh, the id okay Suspiria this is like a childhood level nightmare fairy tale yeah you know everything's hysterical levels right and then this one is the superego version this is people are really there's a, there's a plan to this which you might not sense but this is all pl- planned out yeah so um let's see um Madame Blanc begins bonding with Susie and uh, she learns that she was raised in an Amish household and uh, disobeyed her family by going to these recitals. Uh, I found that kind of interesting that she they... three times. Oh. I was going <laughs> to say, did, did she not see Volk three times? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so she was pretty familiar with it and knew it's what she wanted. Uh, I found it interesting that they didn't just choose somebody who was from like a, maybe a more religious household, but from like something so staunch as 
an Amish household. I couldn't figure out whether she was meant to be Mennonite or Amish. Because she I, says, like, we broke from the... I couldn't... I, I can't remember. I got a little confused because she does talk about Mennonites and how one or the other was too liberal for yeah. the other one. And, and then, But then she has a... The, her envelope of money has the Church of Mennonite on it. Right. Oh, okay. So I got a little confused there myself. Mm-hmm. Like, are you Amish or are you Mennonite? Do I care? Yeah. Is there know. such a big difference that, that it would matter to the story? No, it's kind of how... Yeah. It how isn't another, another three for you. Three people in this movie play multiple characters oh okay so uh dakota fanning plays herself and her twin sister oh okay who's pregnant dakota johnson D- dakota johnson okay, sorry yeah wrong dakota <laughs> yeah you know yeah. right in there anyway yeah okay so so we got that uh we had tilda swinton and who was the other one uh i'm sure i could have pulled up the imdb cast and the cast and crew section and go, oh, oh um one of the other dancers, I think, uh, Katerina, she also plays Death. Oh, okay. The the tall one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that whole Death scene was super interesting. <laughs> you know, what was, what was funny was that I did no research about this going into it at all. Same. I was just like, oh, okay. Suspiria 2. I don't know why they're doing it. Yeah. I've um, seen the original. Right. Why, why try to improve? Messing with a good thing. Yeah. And then Will told me, um, as he sometimes does in his very deadpan way, he was like, you know, Tilda Swinton played three characters. And I just gave him a dirty look. And I was like, no, she didn't. (laughs) (laughs) The guy who points out things. (laughs) You know, and so, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, if, if somebody didn't tell you that that old man was Tilda Swinton, it would be like, Oh, that old man has sort of a soft voice. I was like, why would you even bother? I could hire an old man actor easy, not pay Tilda Swinton all that money. <laughs> right. <laughs> she is a vampire, right? Yes. I mean, that, that that was Will's assessment of her situation and her, you know, her refusal to age. Right. That's probably why she does get to <laughs> do things like play three characters. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the only way she's ever going to be old is to get old man makeup put on her. That's yeah. <laughs> she does an interesting uh, flub. I don't know if it was a mistake or not, but when when they're at the uh, cafe Tiergarten and uh, the uh, he's that that character, the Tilda mm-hmm. Swinton man character, is talking to Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, um, uh, "Marta Meinhof to her, which is. I mean, I, I tried. I I listened to it a few times to check if he wasn't saying Bada Meinhof. I oh, think he says, Mother Meinhof. Mother Meinhof. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Anyway, was, I might be wrong. Was that, that a mistake? I don't or, know. I don't hmm. know. It might be mishearing it. Now I have to ask. Um, now, Julian, you may you may not have picked up on this name because you you never watched Hogan's Heroes, right? No. Do, okay. Do, do, do. <laughs> Yep, that theme theme will get stuck in your head if you're not careful. Um, The only way to get rid of it is to think of the Sanford and Son theme, and then I don't know if you can get rid of it. Then you're still stuck. Quincy Jones wrote that one, so man, you got Quincy Jones. Um, Dr. Klimperer. Um, Now, one one of the main characters, one of the main actors um, who played him, uh, Colonel Klink in Hogan's Heroes was played by Werner Klemperer. Of course. Who, who doesn't know that? Right. Well, who was um, who was a uh, a young man 
during World War II, and he was Jewish and lived in Nazi Germany. I don't know if he was in a concentration camp. I think the guy who played Lebeau had been in a concentration camp. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was some history there. You know, this was a show that came out in the 60s. So. Do you know what movies were you filmed on that concentration camp set from Home Interiors? They filmed it there? They filmed uh, Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS. Oh, oh, on the set. I thought, yeah. I thought you were going to say Not an actual concentration camp. <laughs> oh, man, that would be terrible. <laughs> Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS. <laughs> that makes sense. That totally makes sense to me. Because you know, that set looked like it could be, you know, repurposed for mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, sleazy... Uh, <laughs> what would you call that? Nazi exploitation? Nazi exploitation, yeah. yeah. This was... 77 was like the peak period for Nazi exploitation yeah. 76, Ooh. 77 yeah. Italians were churning them out nice. and Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu <laughs> 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 oh no what was that what was that fake trailer what was that movie called uh, when they were the, women of the SS or yeah something. something like that yeah that was the best part of <laughs> Grindhouse where were the fake trailers a couple of which have been made into movies mm-hmm. Still waiting for that one. Yep. Come on, Rob. Yeah, Rob. Look what else you've done. <laughs> Why did you not make this? With Nicolas Cage's Fu Manchu. Mm-hmm. What more could you ask for? Um, so, yeah, uh, in, in a year where we also got Mandy mm-hmm. with a crazy cult doing crazy cult stuff. Right. Uh, we got Suspiria that had a witch's coven. So yeah, it's coming back in a big way. It's a it's a whole zeitgeist, I think. In fact, I want like a I think they should do some sort of box set that has um The Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The Witch. Uh this movie. Um Hereditary. Right? Mm. And maybe a dark song. Yeah. I think a dark song might have been a couple years earlier, but yeah, this all this all fits though. Right, it's all can, recently. Yeah, recently come to yeah. some new shit has come to light, man. Well, when Cure for Wellness and uh, Get Out are also movies where the older generation is feeding off the younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're going places with this, it seems. So uh, Will once said, uh, "I think you lose a good villain in a witch. You know, when when you don't." regard the witch as a possible villain like when when you try to be truthful and respectful to witchcraft right you lose a classic villain and that is so true i thought about that several times (laughs) since you said that will yeah and uh and it's like yeah if we if we tell the if we tell the truth and regard things the way they really are there's a lot to be lost there so do we need we need a different name for the witch that we see in movies well that's a problem i mean what you're describing is a problem because so the western world is the only place where people have tried to reclaim yes that both the name and the idea of witch because in the whole rest of the world if you are a witch it doesn't it's not because you do magic or you're in touch with the spirit realm or anything like that it's because you are a troublemaker <laughs> You have nothing but malice, and you do nothing but bad things to people. And so if you don't do that, if you are doing positive things for people, then you're na- you are not a witch. You are something else. You have some other category that we will slot you into. If you are a witch, 
you are a very bad thing. You are a big problem. My you're, cow is sick. You yeah, are you're, you're, breaking people up. You're giving people the evil eye. You're, you know, you're a problem. You're a community problem. Yeah. So when you go from being a new age person to a traditional society and you're like, I'm a witch and I've got a crystal on and I'm, you know, it's like, you are, you know, are you also sneaking out at light at night, stealing babies and, and body parts? And, well, see that, and that, that was where we decided that we were going to rehab the whole thing. Mm. Um, it needed an overhaul. It needed no, an overhaul. No, no more blighting crops or souring no, milk or no. stealing children. Nope, nope, nope. And, no more. Uh, yeah. Um, Men, men uh, being tempted. Well, that's just men. Well, you know, tempting you know. a man is always useful. You know. Sure, they do all kinds of stupid stuff. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. No, no. Men under temptation are 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 willing, uh, willing zombies. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> They've got their uses. They'll go work your crops for you. <laughs> that's right. So, um, so the witch has a villain. The way we see in in uh, the movie, the witch. Uh, or in the Wizard of Oz, or what have you. Sure. You know, this villain, whether whether it's somebody who's green with a with a hooked nose, or somebody who's stealing a baby to mash it up and fly with its ointment. Got a good got a good recipe. <laughs> yeah. Um. So so do we do we need to have a disclaimer every time we have a movie like this and say no 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 we don't mean wiccans how powerful is the wiccan lobby i don't know do um do do you suppose they're they're like powerful wiccan lobby (laughs) do you think they're like libertarians like yeah there's a bunch of them but what are they gonna do maybe they might vote, but well, they'll never, they'll never put anyone into office. You know, I think right now they're they're trying to do a little bit of a reverse rehab. They're they're trying to get back a little, a so, little mystique and darkness. Little, you know, little, little sinister edge. Yeah, I think they they feel like they may have lost their edge, and they're trying yeah. to get some of it back. So yeah. there is that. Sure, <laughs> maybe they do need to blight some crops or spoil some milk. You or, know, start a ballet school. That's right. Cause politicians to burst into flames. <laughs> Something like that. Get on it, Wiccans. Yeah, there's a lot to be done here. Um, but yeah, this movie sort of helps reclaim the witch as a villain, in a way. In a way, but less than Suspiria. I mean, I'm sorry, less than Suspiria Uno. Uh, right, okay. The 1977 original Suspiria. You know, in Suspiria Uno, they're all bad. You don't root for them. Right. And I don't know, at the end, I was kind of like, yeah, go Susie. Mm-hmm. Okay. She does right. show a bit of compassion to... Right. She's, she's a nice mother, sort of. Mm-hmm. And um, she's she's owning it. And, she's going to rule them all, isn't she? Yeah. It seems like it. And she's going to whip this dance company into shape, and yeah. um, it's going to be great. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll make some money. It'll be good. Yeah. You got fame and you got fortune. All the things you want from a dance school. Yeah, you could update Volk and do it in roller skates or something. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The the costuming was interesting. Mm. Um, any idea what it meant? I, I kind of read it as, as blood. That's what I did. And it was also uh, Japanese bondage. Okay. So they were 
you know, their, their power is it through, sh- through blood. Uh, I forget what the name suggests. It's not it's Shibari. It's uh, not his. Shibori. Oh, Shibori's silk dyeing. Oh, um, I, I know what you mean. That, yeah, I've got, they've got an actual term for the art of knotting. Right. But, um, we used to have a neighbor that would do it with Barbie dolls and hang them in his window. <laughs> Where you live now? No. no. At the apartment. At the apartment. Okay. <laughs> when we first moved to Denver. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Welcome to Denver. Yeah. So I, I think they're, they're using their, their, their power to overcome their... Yeah, their bondage. I I read it a little bit differently. Um, <laughs> I read it as so. There's a lot of not magic. Okay. So there's a lot of things that you do with cords, and then as you say or do certain things, you mm. tie a knot mm-hmm. in that cord as okay. you speak it. Um, and sometimes, depending on the work the witch might be doing, that cord might be soaked in menstrual blood. Okay. Um, and sometimes the cord just might be red as a as a powerful color. Wow. Hmm. Oh. Well. Yeah. I've... So if you tie that into like that living puppet scene, right? Yeah. You know, that's also a way to control those dancers in Volk and make them act yeah. out and be puppets. Yeah. As they're dancing. Hmm. Okay. So we have a, a, a sort of a, a remote uh, marionette sort of situation. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Now, um, a big question I have to ask. And it looked cool. <laughs> yeah. Mainly it looked cool. That's, I mean, you don't hire um, Gautier to do the costuming for a movie, for example, and not, you know, not because he's really good at stuff. He, it's like his stuff's going to look striking. It's going to look good. Yeah. Yeah. Madonna hires this guy, exactly. right? Um so I have to ask the question, uh, especially Eugenia, from your perspective. This is Women in Horror Month. Uh, here's a horror movie that is almost entirely populated by women. Mm-hmm. There's only a few guys in the movie, and they are not regarded well. Um, does this movie respect and empower women? Or if it falls short, um, what could it have done better? And guys, you're welcome to have opinions too, but... So, um, does it give the characters power, not, I think not the it, women watching the movie necessarily? Yeah, I, th- I think it does empower the characters. Um, Susie, so there's costs along the way. Right. There are costs along the road to power. Okay. Um, so if we step back from empower and just say, make this about taking power or being given power. Right. Which is... A little different sure you know there are casualties along the way like the ones who refuse the power the ones that refuse the power or don't want the power the way or don't want to pay the price for that kind of power okay so it's not all feel good no um but, but there is a path to power and it is a very much an insular female-centric communal yin you know, this is about us and not necessarily you. And if you give up you, then you get that ultimate powerful position that right. you have to give up you, which is a very yin and, f- for lack of a better word, feminine type of power and empowerment. That's very good. I, I, I suspect these things, but I don't know for sure. I mean, that that's my perception of it. Right. I'm not a very 
feminine or yin person. So it was very interesting, you know, to see it. And I've been like, oh, yeah, this is cool. And I'm glad Susie's doing it. I would have already had problems and probably be one of the dead ones. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the characters who. Hoping for death ones. <laughs> the, the, the characters who, who lose agency in this movie uh, do so by their own actions or inactions. Um, they're they're not they're not put down they they refuse the gift or they refuse and they or they refuse to go along to get along which right. was the other thing like you could just be like oh, i'm in the marcos dance company i'm right. trying to get an apartment in town yeah. because it's a little too intense yeah. um or perhaps if you were really smart you would be like Maybe I could just, you know, stop working on my dance so much and get myself kicked out of the company and just be like, see you ladies. Right. Wishing you the best. Yeah. Go Marcos, you know. <laughs> and I'm out of here. So how did you see it, Jolien? Uh, yeah, on, on uh, Fassbender did a movie where it was entirely women. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what it's called now. Um, but, and I, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's why Tilda Swinson's playing the the man. He's, mm. Is he a psychologist or psychiatrist? He's, he's a psychologist, think, isn't he? Because he doesn't hand out any drugs. Well, yeah. not that um, he's got any drugs to hand out at this particular point <laughs> right. in time. But, uh, yeah, so it's critiquing critiquing traditional male power, so like the military, the police, um, medicine, and then you've got this guy who who like women come to him and tell him what's going on and he says you're hysterical you know that's an old one for, mm-hmm. with the psycho psychologist um so uh, yeah i think i think that, that was uh, that was a big reason why she was playing him and, and it's interesting because although they're sort of merciful to him in the end you know one of the reasons they're really pissed at him is like women keep coming to you mm-hmm. and they keep telling you what's going yeah, on you've killed your wife and you you don't ever believe them. Yeah, you, I'm, yeah. He he lets down three women. In fact. Mm-hmm. <laughs> three. Yeah, um, yeah. The, you know, the, they go to their deaths because he doesn't help them. Right. Doesn't believe them. Well, there it is. Um, Will, how about you? Did you uh, did you feel like this uh, this gave the the, the characters uh, the the opportunities? Uh, should they take them? Did you think that this was a a good a good uh, woman positive sort of movie? Sure, why not? <laughs> in, in between naps. In between <laughs> naps, yeah. I know this one. This one wasn't easy on you, was it? No, no, this, not at all. This is why you've imposed a ninety-minute limit on movies. Yes. Anything else? Should have wrapped it up at ninety minutes. Uh, I felt like this was eating dance faster recreation of a beautiful cake but they forgot all the spices oh okay Um, it also reminded me kind of uh, of those Batman films with Christian Bale that were popular (laughs) about a decade ago and that they wanted witches to be real okay but at the same time it's Batman and how how can I take mm-hmm. something like that serious? So it's better if it's the Tim Burton version of Batman. Yeah, sort of. You know, it's better if it was the Argento version of witches that are just straightforward evil and over the top. And and this just seemed to drag on and on and go nowhere for me. Okay. 
I mean, um, I almost watched it again yesterday, but I just couldn't couldn't do it. Couldn't carve out that big of a chunk of time. <laughs> yeah, just couldn't day. do it again because it was beautifully acted and it looked great, but I just felt like they they put so much stuff on a plot line that Argento was willing to take as thin as it was as there's a dance school run by witches mm-hmm. okay and 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 he went nuts with this this took that little tiny twig of an idea and stacked philosophy and all this stuff on it and it couldn't support it for me anyway. okay um i wish i had enjoyed it but <laughs> i wish they had uh oh mother superiorium <laughs> She'll I, be I, paying Will a visit later. No, I, I felt pretty much the same the first time I saw it. Really? Okay. So, so I guess this uh, this brings me to another question I wanted to ask everybody. Would this have been better if the Suspiria name and reference to the original characters had not been used and it was its own thing that had its own name? Yeah, I, I kind of wished it, they'd gone with Suspiriorum. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it sort of felt like it was trying to be like if Suspiria 1977 had been the, and it is, but it had been a big glitzy movie mm-hmm. and then you found out the real story behind it. <laughs> okay. Um, and tried to ground it in reality. It's kind of like the, uh, what is that? Haunting of Hill House. Mm. Like, uh, they made it into a TV series and a Netflix series, and they just wanted to load it up with a bunch of stuff. And I don't think that it could support it, and that's where the Barnes, you know, whatever you guys... Judgment. The the Barnes limit. (laughs) The Barnes limit, that's it, of 90 minutes, because that's about how long I can suspend my disbelief for witches or Batman. (laughs) It's Batman's. Batman's. That's right. Plural we Batman's. settled that a long Batman's. time ago. Batman's. Yeah. The late great John Schnepp uh, did did help me arrive at that. Um, yeah, I I get it because there is there is a I have a greater affection for 1966 series Batman, and maybe not as much for the Tim Burton Batman, but still more than the Christian Bale. Um, what's his name that directed those? Uh, drawn a blank but uh christopher nolan Nolan. yeah yeah the nolan batmans you know yes the nolans are not uh you know they're they're not quite uh they're not quite my 66 batman yeah (laughs) who i didn't know uh at the time i didn't know how dark the comics actually were until i started reading them a few years later it's like oh wow that's that's pretty dark (laughs) compared to what's on screen um but I, I feel like uh, like this maybe should have gotten its own identity rather than being tied to something that it's nothing like. Oh, I kind of agree. Like, I thought it was almost like a writer's prompt. Right. You know, like, there's the twig, the, you know, dance school run by witches. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, that was the foundation. And the... Now go with it. Mm. Right. You know, each, each of the four of us will go home and we'll write something and... A tofu you know. factory run by ogres. Right, you know. Um, and when I started, I was like, I was very worried about this movie. Okay. I was like, what are they going to do? Because I love the original. I Absolutely. love the visuals. Like, 
if Dario Argento could come and decorate my house, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I love everything about Suspiria. So I was really worried about this, and I was like, oh my God, what are they going to try to do? So I was, I was really relieved when it became evident that they were going in a whole different direction. Mm-hmm. Well, they're keeping the main idea, that, that core you know the prompt idea and but doing their own thing and i was i was relieved and then i was like well maybe they should have just completely yeah given it a new name something had rob zombie directed something <laughs> you know? can you imagine where that would have been sherry moon zombie running a dance school for witches oh, oh no <laughs> oh man i can see that uh, yeah I think this would, yeah. <laughs> that would be great. Mother Marcos is a child. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got to get uh, uh, Bill Mosley and Sid Haig in there somewhere. It's a goth pole dance studio now, but. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's all twitchy Marilyn Manson effects. Sure. <laughs> Strobe lights. Lots of backstory to the characters. Oh, yeah. Lots of backstory you don't need. A lot of swearing and violence that's completely unnecessary right. to the plot. Yeah. Listeners might be Everybody's wondering. white trash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> white trash school for witches. Uh, yeah. I like it. Rob Zombie's white trash school for witches. <laughs> I think that Out works. on Highway 9. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little sh- roll now. Got a little showgirls influence. Sure. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Showgirls. You know what? <laughs> the horror movie version of showgirls. <laughs> it works for me. <laughs> I really wanna. I wanna have a bad movie festival sometime, and I don't mean bad like Plan Nine from Outer Space. I mean bad like showgirls and Catwoman. Oh, fun and not just depressing. And... Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that would be kind of fun. Paul Verhoeven's Suspiria. Oh, lordy, Suspiria. that would be great. <laughs> Paul Verhoeven's Suspiria. Yeah. It would be really sexy mm-hmm. and just wrong. It would be wrong would on be every level. On every Spectacularly, level. gloriously wrong. I think this prompt needs to go out. Like, get on it, directors. Right. It's, it's fair game. Do your own Suspiria. I never thought I would feel dirty about watching Kyle MacLachlan in a movie. <laughs> Yet, yeah, Verhoeven fucked that one up for me. Um, anything else anyone uh, wants to say about Suspiria before we wrap it up? Uh, if you can bring yourself to it and if you've got the time, then definitely see it more than once. Okay. I'm still seeing new stuff in it. That's so good to know. Um, Will, you think you're going to give it another shot? Mm, maybe when it's free. <laughs> when it's free and you've had most of a pot of coffee in you? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, maybe on a Sunday. You've had a good yeah. night's sleep, lots of coffee, nothing to do that day. Yeah. I saw it by myself and then I saw it with Emily uh, to get her perspective on it. And then uh, I saw it with you guys. So I got How, how did Emily audiences. like it? Uh, she wondered why uh, Marta Suspiriorum didn't save her friend um, Madame Blanc at the end. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. And maybe she, she's only capable of death. She's only capable of taking stuff away. But um, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't explain that. Hmm. 
Yeah, maybe. I, I don't I don't know. I don't have like a solid idea. I feel like maybe she wasn't settled into the new body enough mm-hmm. to do anything about it, like before yeah. it happened. Um, or maybe that higher intelligence was like, It doesn't matter. I'm Marcos, I am Madame Blanc, I'm all you know mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Fair enough. <laughs> um I do probably look at giving this another watch but i think i'm with will on this one wait till it's on some yeah. platform where i can watch it yeah, and just watch come it back and to it look for three yeah look for references to different things philosophy jean cocteau yeah yeah for sure um yeah the, the, the when they go to the paris bar there's an arm coming out of the wall like yeah you know, a little bit oh, okay mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's like shattering mirrors and dreams and things yeah oh, all you, right you watch uh, orpheus Okay. Cocteau and then watch Suspiria. Okay. There, there's that. All right. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. My rental is actually good through sometime tomorrow. I rented it on um, whatever on demand, but uh, I'm, I'm maybe could carve out some time to watch it again before that expires. And while the, my original questions are still fresh on my mind, um, I always consider the possibility that I'm being a dick about something and, and or I'm not getting something and, and I will rewatch things with that in mind uh, unless it's something I don't want to rewatch in which case I won't uh, and we talked about that mother movie I don't, I don't want to see that one again it has an exclamation point did you see it? no <laughs> I heard about it yeah it's wild oh, I, so, I don't want it yeah, anymore I don't, uh, no I don't, no. I don't. I am planning. I, I threatened Will. I was like, oh, I'm planning the next um, October festival. We're not doing thirty for thirty one or thirty whatever right. the number scheme works out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna do my box set festival idea, and it's just gonna be nothing but witch movies. There, okay. there it is. Yeah, the month of witches. All the you know the big heavy ones. Good. Starting with Wizard of Oz. Right. <laughs> I'll lend you a witch with a flying head. Brilliant. Yeah. Is that a, a Filipino horror movie? Yeah. It is. <laughs> they like the they like the incomplete woman flying mm-hmm. as, as, as a penangalan or a krasue. Okay. She she at night she can detach her head and it comes out the body with the guts trailing below it. I remember feasts on on uh, newborns. Yeah. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah. I thought that was the Mananangal, but I'm probably... There's, there's different names for it. I've okay. done all of them. So uh, is this a good place to sure. call it a show? Yeah, all right, let's well, wrap it up. Uh, Eugenia, thanks for joining us again. And uh, we're going to celebrate Women in Horror Month. We're going to come up mm-hmm. with another good one for next time. Yeah. All right. And uh, Maybe it'll be house-related. Maybe. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you joined us. I'm glad for your perspective on this. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the moors. <laughs>